0: From the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast, this is Ag Day.
1: Keeping the water flowing.
2: As long as we can
1: keep barges moving and keep commodities prices down, we're, we're all in good shape. Amid record load levels, see what's being done to keep the Mississippi River open. Our I-80 tour heads to the Hoosier State.
3: I'm Michelle Work here in Indiana, where the statewide yield averages for both corn and soybeans look to be lower than 2021.
1: And back on, why Russia says it's now returning to the Black Sea Grain Initiative. We're following the latest developments right now on that Good morning, I'm Clinton Griffiths. First, Russia said it was pulling out of the Black Sea Grain deal, then just suspending it. Now it says it will continue to participate in that deal. Russia's defense ministry justifying the about-face, saying it had received guarantees from Ukraine not to use the Black Sea area to strike against it. Moscow pulled out of the deal after it accused Ukraine of attacking its Black Sea fleet with a series of drones. Ukraine had denied that allegation, but the deal remains on shaky ground. It's due to run out on Saturday, November 19th. A European diplomat telling Reuters that Russian President Vladimir Putin will likely use a possible extension as a way to gain leverage. The announcement that Russia was leaving the deal sent wheat prices soaring, but they retreated following the latest
4: announcement. Uh, you know, the the wheat market doesn't know uh, which way is up right now. We basically erased all the gains that we got from the suspension of that agreement. And we're sitting right here, um, uh, you know, kind of in no man's land waiting on some more information. He says that will
1: continue with the uncertainty about whether Russia extends the deal past the November 19th expiration. As of Wednesday, the U.N. reported the Black Sea Grain Initiative has moved almost 10 million metric tons of ag products involving more than 420 vessels.
5: The I-80 Harvest Tour is brought to you exclusively by Case IH. Case IH equipment is designed, engineered, and built by farmers. See their stories at builtbyfarmers.com.
1: Harvest, it continues to roll along thanks to the open weather across the Corn Belt in Indiana. Farmers have combined 87% of the soybeans well ahead of that 78% average. Corn harvest, well, it stands at 71% versus the 64% norm. Agday's Michelle Rook reports on what farmers are finding for yields.
3: The harvest continues to roll at record pace here in Indiana, and it looks like statewide yield averages will be down for both corn and soybeans. It's a function of drought in June and July that resulted in a 10-inch moisture deficit on Chuck Shelby's farm and heat, which caused significant tip back on the corn.
6: So that, I think, impacted the abortion on the end of the kernels. So it's kind of a factor this year that is probably where the biggest yield loss is.
3: He says late season tar spot also trimmed some bushels, and so corn yields are above 200 bushels for Shelby and farmers across much of Indiana, but still below average.
6: In our part of Indiana, the corn yields are 20 25 bushels less than what we normally expect. We're still a lot of farmers in Indiana are going to probably have crop insurance claims in Indiana because they have high APHs from some previously really good years.
3: Southern Indiana farmer Kevin Kalb says his farm also started out dry, but then the weather did a 180. Kalb runs strictly a corn-on-corn corn rotation and says his corn yields will be closer to his APH for 2022.
6: I think we're going to be right there at farm average APH. You know, we were kind of concerned because the early stuff that we shelled was our, our, normally our best ground, our highest yielding, and it was 30 to 40 bushel off. But then we started getting into more marginal ground, and then they were 30 to 40 bushel better than what normally.
3: They also sprayed with fungicide, which prevented the southern rust and tar spot prevalent around his area. And there was some tip back, but it was offset by heavier test weights.
6: We did uh, abort probably four to five kernels on each year, but with a great grain fill, with the, the cool weather that we had in, in July and August, um, I you know, the the corn evidently made up for it.
3: Southern Indiana was also hit by early frost, so Kelb had wet corn in the upper 20s he had to dry. Swabine yields on Shelby's farm averaged about six bushels per acre less this year, and he says much of the state will see farm averages in the 50s and 60s compared to the 70s last year.
6: I think the yield, you know, is certainly less than last year. There were a few good pockets of Indiana, uh, northwest Indiana, that yields are probably as good or better but for the majority of the state, uh, really the impact was uh, felt by that dry weather early on. Another factor too, some of the double
3: crop beans were impacted by frost. So he thinks USDA may need to lower both corn and soybean yields for Indiana in the November WASDE. Uh, again, the very few farmers in
6: Indiana would say their crop is as good as last year. And and remember again, in uh, the previous USDA reports, the USDA lowered last year's yield and lowered acreage. So, uh, I think uh, overall, the Indiana yield still has room to come down.
3: In Indiana, I'm Michelle Burke reporting for Ag Day.
1: A welcome sight right now in the California Sierra Mountains, You see Berkeley's Central Sierra Snow Lab reporting. The area has received more than 12 inches of snow since Monday. Researchers say that puts the area above average for snowfall but below average for total precipitation. Now this marks the first major storm of the season – for that area. And there's also finally some good news for the Mississippi River with pockets of heavy rain expected in that area and along the southern plains. Meteorologist Andrew Whitmire has more.
2: And we continue to track kind of this dominant front here that's kind of draped across parts of the central portions here of the country. That's going to increase shower chances here across to parts of the uh, Mississippi River states here, which is good news for some of those folks that really do. And need that moisture, We're watching snow out across the Intermountain West and even a stormy pattern shaping up for parts of the southern plains today, the center part of Kansas down towards western Oklahoma and even the uh, northwest panhandle there of Texas. So, watching for the potential for some stronger storms later on today. Then, as we head on into Friday, southern Oklahoma, Dallas down towards San Antonio over towards a Houston will be under the threat here for more active weather through Friday. And here's a look at our wind gust of forecast. You can really tell where that cold front is kind of centered right now up across parts of the Dakotas and that's going to begin to work its way through the Plain States here as we go throughout this Thursday afternoon and it's going to continue to march its way eastward across parts of the Midwest and Great Lakes states. In fact, parts of the Great Lakes states by this weekend could be looking at some wind gusts above 40 miles per hour in spots. And check out this great picture shared with us by Melissa of Gilman, Wisconsin. She says this is a picture of her calf, Wilma, born a couple of days ago to their cow, Pebbles. Looks like Wilma will be growing up fast. I'll learn more your Ag Day forecast in just a few. Yields
5: in the Fields on Ag Day is brought to you by MicroEssentials from Mosaic, the science of more. Discover our proven products. Text YIELDS to 31313.
1: All right, thanks Andrew, but drought conditions remain in the Southern Plains. In today's Yields in the Fields, we get some perspective from one farmer on the impact extreme heat and wind are having on harvest.
7: My name is Matt Muller. I farm in southwest Oklahoma near Altus or Martha with my family. Uh, talking about the what's on everybody in agriculture's mind in about a 700-mile radius, and that is the drought that we're experiencing. For us, it started in August of 2021 and has been pretty much unrelenting since. Last year's winter wheat crop uh, was uh, a zero. Uh, We went through summer crops and we now are working on harvesting grain, sorghum, and cotton, and it is a wreck as well. We'll only harvest about 90% or 10% of our acres. 90% of our acres will probably be shredded and left behind by the cost of harvest. We are able to harvest this one field we're in. This is my dad's field. We have a little bit of a well water, the quality's down uh, and the volumes were way down this year because we haven't had recharge of our aquifer. But uh, it's, even though it's irrigated, it's only making about 60% of a normal crop because of the extreme heat. But having said all that, we lived through and survived the great drought of 2011 to 2015. the spring of 2015 coming out of that winter they were forecasting for the drought to rage on and God had other plans and it started raining and uh, so we will wait till that occurs and we'll remain steadfast until then.
1: Courtney Wheat Futures saw pressure again on Wednesday because of Russia's announcement that it's getting back into the grain deal plus the Fed raises interest rates once again we'll have analysis coming up next. And later, a much lower Mississippi River is revealing its secrets of the past and the struggle right now in the country. Soybeans fell as weakness in corn and wheat futures fueled profit-taking following four consecutive daily gains. Michelle is back talking with Ted Seifert in today's Markets Now.
3: Joining us with market analysis, Ted Seifert, Zanier Ag Hedge. And we did see the Fed raise interest rates three-quarters of her percent. Talk about what this signaled to the market and what it means for the commodities and money flow. Yes,
4: yeah. as far as the Fed interest rate hike, it was what most people were expecting, that 75 basis points, uh, three-quarters of a basis point. Some people had thought a half basis point. So, so the raw number by itself was maybe a little bit bearish for like the stock market, maybe a little bit positive for the dollar. However, that's not the reaction we had. And the reason for that is because from the statement, the wording sounds a little bit more like they might start to slow this down in future meetings. And the stock market really liked that big reversal to the upside. Uh, the US dollar index, sharply lower on that announcement. once we saw the wording of it, again, just a little bit of a fake higher based on the actual uh, interest rate hike itself. But then the wording really made the dollar drop in the stock market rally. So ultimately, you know, higher interest rates are not really very bullish for commodities. Yeah. But, you know, we trade futures, Michelle. We don't trade today's. I like that saying. I don't love the cliches, but that's one of the few ones I like. Uh, and looking into the future, if the Fed is going to slow down on raising interest rates, that actually might be fairly bullish for commodities, okay. fairly bearish for the dollar. Um, so that's the reaction that we had, at least in the in the. Initial moments after after that uh, decision came out from the
3: fact, and we took corn and wheat down on taking out war premium. Where do we go now?
4: You know that war premium had to go out uh, because it came in earlier in the week. Um, you know i i don't know we've been sideways in corn in a 25 cent range for the last two and a half months basically Uh, wheat is in a much broader range but i I don't know if we have anything right now to really move us out of these ranges we're just kind of waiting for the next big news who knows what that'll be it might be south american weather nothing geopolitically happens
3: okay thanks for that analysis ted Seifert. with zaner ag hedge more ag day coming up
5: for professional marketing advice specifically tailored to your needs call zaner ag hedge at 312 277 0113. Ag Day is brought to you by Endzone from FarmShop MFG, which allows you to rehydrate your soybeans from 10 to 13 percent. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's an extra semi load added to your bottom line. Order your Endzone fan now for as low as $2,900 while supplies last.
1: Andrew Whitmire joining us taking a look at uh, well what could be the last gasps of our tropical storm season. Maybe something developing out there possibly. Yeah, there's
2: something that we're going to continue to watch as we round out this week and going forward into next week as well. We're going to be watching a potential tropical wave developing and that could increase moisture chances to parts of the uh, east coast here as we head on into next week. A reminder that hurricane season does not officially end until we get into November 30th. And again, this low pressure system uh, will be increasing at least the chances for moisture here across the parts of the eastern seaboard. But ahead of that, we're watching moisture chances to increase across parts of the Plain States as well as parts of the uh, Mississippi River Valley as well, which certainly really do need the moisture. Let's watch this gust front here, though. This is the indication here that cold front that is draped across parts of the northern and central plains. That's going to continue to march its way eastward across the Midwest and Great Lakes States here as we go throughout this Thursday and even into Friday and this upcoming weekend. Notice these purples shaded here. That's an indication of wind gusts above 40 miles per hour that uh, likely will be occurring across parts of the southern plains here. As we uh, go throughout the end of this week and then as we head towards Friday and this upcoming weekend, we're going to be kind of watching a windstorm kind of being uh, driven here across parts of the Great Lakes states uh, where we could be looking at some wind gusts in excess of 40 miles per hour at times as we get started here for this upcoming weekend. And with this cold front, again, it will bring the chance for some strong to severe thunderstorms Thursday night and late in the daytime hours for parts of the southern plains. And that trend will continue even on into Friday as well, with the main concern being strong, damaging, gusty wind speeds. Walking through the wintry side of the system, we're going to be watching some snowfall out across the parts of the Intermountain West of the Sierra Valley as well. we're going to be watching for the potential here for several inches, if not some several feet of snow out west. Walking through this system here on future radar again there's that uh, cold front here that will beginning to work its way off uh, further off towards the east. High pressure still in control across the midwest Great Lake states and eastern seaboard. Meanwhile active across the western half uh, of the country and then as we head towards a uh, Friday notice how those showers and thunderstorms begin to really bubble up along that front uh, down across parts of the central plains all the way down towards Texas. We're going to continue to see that moisture chances increasing further eastward here as we go throughout this upcoming weekend. Let's a look around the country. Let's take a look at temperatures this afternoon. Warm across the central parts of the country, cool down out West. Let's a look around the country. Now let's take a look a little bit closer to home in our Ag Day select cities. Owls New York, sunny skies, high around 60 degrees. Going over to Oklahoma, windy with showers and thunderstorms, few of which could be severe late in the day into Friday morning and going over to Wyoming, rain and snow showers.
1: Nation's fifth-largest beef packer is getting help from USDA to expand. The $20 million grant for the Greater Omaha Packing Company in South Omaha, Nebraska. Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack traveling to Omaha yesterday to make the announcement. My administration this week announcing a total of $223 million in grants and loans to increase competition and economic opportunities for meat and poultry processors. Right now, Greater Omaha has a daily harvest capacity of 2,400 head and 1,500 workers, the company said it will expand its capacity by nearly 30%, adding another 700 head per day and another 275 jobs. We're learning more about the losses cattle ranchers in Florida suffered because of Hurricane Ian. A survey by the Florida Department of Ag and Consumer Services found more than 5,000 cattle ranchers suffered significant damage. That includes damage to structures, fences, and equipment. The survey indicated 250 dead animals and more than 257,000 calves in stressful conditions. Total infrastructure losses to the beef industry alone in the state were pegged between 215 million to 262 million dollars. From too much wind and water to not enough, we're off to the mighty Mississippi and what's left of the nation's largest raging river.
5: Farmer to Farmer, the Conservation at Work video series features real stories, real successes, real quick. See what's possible at farmers.gov conservation.
1: As we've been reporting, the drought impacting much of the nation has brought the Mississippi River down to its lowest level in years. And as Bill Weir reports, if there isn't relief soon, we're all going to feel it as the cost of shipping spikes again.
0: To navigate this river in the Old South, a man would stand on the prow of a steamship and bounce a lead weight on a knotted string off the bottom. If it was a safe 12 feet deep, he'd shout, Mark Twain! Samuel Clemens made that his pen name, of course. But if he wrote about this river today, Tom Sawyer and Huck Finn would spend a lot of time walking on the beach. Because in too many places, the not-so-mighty Mississippi is a fraction of a twain.
4: Uh, We're going to look at a
0: few old steamboats, steamboat wrecks. Mark Twain-era steamboats, uh, yeah. And the relentless drought across the heartland is exposing all kinds of memories. One of the more striking yardsticks is here in Baton Rouge. This is the USS Kidd, a World War II destroyer. And on a good year, the Mississippi comes to that first rust stripe, about 25 feet above my head right now. And these water levels are so low, creating such a catastrophic shipping crisis that this is gonna affect your grocery bill. It's the price of moving. A bushel of soybeans went up 300%. And there are thousands of barges full of food. And all they can do is just wait and pray for rain. And if they can't get rain, they pray for help. We've got a, a difficult stretch of river from the Army Corps of Engineers. With billions of dollars on the line, they cut channels as fast as they can with working antiques like the Dredge Potter, built in 1932, but still a workhorse in an endless fight with the river in every kind of weather.
4: A professional riverbed redecorator kind of <laughs> yeah yeah we'll move this over different. here that's right put that over there
6: as long as we can keep barges moving and keep commodities prices down we're we're all in good shape that's your so. that's your mission in
4: 1989 and then again in uh, 2012 we got to an area where the channel to a level where the channel was almost unsustainable so we had numerous dredges working and there was very little commerce going through. And ultimately, what saved the day was rain.
0: And these days, when you wish for rain, you have to specify not all at once. The Midwest is still recovering from summer flash floods. And if the water cycle whiplashes again, hard rain on parched earth would be another blow to farmers already struggling to move their harvest.
1: All right. Thanks, Bill. And that's all the time we're going to have today. From all of us here at Ag and i Clinton Griffiths. Have a great day. Have fun,